Chapter 19 of The Marrow of Tradition. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. The Marrow of Tradition by Charles Waddell Chestnut. Chapter 19 A Midnight Walk. Ellis left the office of the Morning Chronicle about eleven o'clock the same evening, and set out to walk home. His boarding-house was only a short distance beyond old Mr. Delamere's residence, and while he might have saved time and labor by a slightly shorter route, he generally selected this one, because it led also by Major Carteret's house. Sometimes there would be a ray of light from Clara's room, which was on one of the front corners and at any rate he would have the pleasure of gazing at the outside of the casket that enshrined the jewel of his heart it was true that this purely sentimental pleasure was sometimes dashed with bitterness at the thought of his rival but one in love must take the bitter with the sweet and who would say that a spice of jealousy does not add a certain zest to love on this particular evening however he was in a hopeful mood at the clarendon club where he had gone a couple of hours before to verify a certain news item for the morning paper he had heard a story about tom delamere which he imagined would spike that gentleman's guns for all time so far as miss pemberton was concerned so grave an affair as cheating at cards could never be kept secret it was certain to reach her ears and ellis was morally certain that clara would never marry a man who had been proved dishonorable in all probability there would be no great sensation about the matter delamere was too well connected too many prominent people would be involved even clara and the editor himself of whom delamere was a distant cousin the reputation of the club was also to be considered ellis was not the man to feel a malicious delight in the misfortunes of another nor was he a pessimist who welcomed scandal and disgrace with open arms as confirming a gloomy theory of human life but with the best intentions in the world it was no more than human nature that he should feel a certain elation in the thought that his rival had been practically disposed of and the field left clear especially since this good situation had been brought about merely by the unmasking of a hypocrite who had held him at an unfair disadvantage in the race for clara's favor the night was quiet except for the faint sound of distant music now and then or the mellow laughter of some group of revellers ellis met but few pedestrians but as he neared old mr delamere's he saw two men walking in the same direction as his own on the opposite side of the street he had observed that they kept at about an equal distance apart and that the second from the stealthy manner in which he was making his way was anxious to keep the first in sight without disclosing his own presence this aroused ellis's curiosity which was satisfied in some degree when the man in advance stopped beneath a lamp-post and stood for a moment looking across the street with his face plainly visible in the yellow circle of light it was a dark face and ellis recognized it instantly as that of old mr delamere's body-servant whose personal appearance had been very vividly impressed upon ellis at the christening dinner at major carteret's 
He had seen Sandy once since, too, at the hotel cakewalk. The negro had a small bundle in his hand, the nature of which Ellis could not make out. When Sandy had stopped beneath the lamp post, the man who was following him had dodged behind a tree trunk. When Sandy moved on, Ellis, who had stopped in turn, saw the man in hiding come out and follow Sandy. When this second man came in range of the light, Ellis wondered that there should be two men so much alike. The first of the two had undoubtedly been Sandy. Ellis had recognized the peculiar, old-fashioned coat that Sandy had worn upon the two occasions when he had noticed him. Barring this difference and the somewhat unsteady gait of the second man, the two were as much alike as twin brothers. When they had entered Mr. Delamere's house, one after the other, in the stillness of the night, Ellis could perceive that each of them tried to make as little noise as possible. Ellis supposed that they were probably relatives, both employed as servants, or that some younger negro, taking Sandy for a model, was trying to pattern himself after his superior. Why all this mystery, of course, he could not imagine, unless the younger man had been out without permission, and was trying to avoid the accusing eye of Sandy. Ellis was vaguely conscious that he had seen the other negro somewhere, but he could not for the moment place him. There were so many negroes, nearly three negroes to one white man in the city of Wellington. The subject, however, while curious, was not important as compared with the thoughts of his sweetheart, which drove it from his mind. Clara had been kind to him the night before. Whatever her motive, she had been kind, and could not consistently return to her attitude of coldness. With Delamere hopelessly discredited, Ellis hoped to have at least fair play. With fair play, he would take his chances of the outcome. End of chapter 19 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista